Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's June 11th, 1979. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that the legendary US rock musician Chuck Berry pled guilty to tax evasion, which would lead to him serving his third and final prison sentence. Due to an earlier incident in his legal history, which I'm sure we'll get into in a second. But you're dealing with very <laughs> diplomatically at this stage. <laughs> by the 1970s, Berry, he wasn't on top anymore, but he was still very popular on tour. But he had quite a haphazard touring style. He would use local backing bands, which meant the quality of his shows was extremely variable. He would often get paid cash in hand by promoters. That eventually attracted the attention of the US tax authorities. And he ended up pleading guilty to tax evasion and he was sentenced to four months in prison and a thousand hours of community service in the form of free concerts. And on that question of being paid cash in hand, it was a thing that Chuck Berry came to insist on because early in his career he'd been burnt, he felt, by some promoters. So he came to stipulate that he had to be paid in cash and so he often ended up carrying huge amounts of money with him. So much so that at one point he was leaving Australia with this briefcase full of 50,000 Australian dollars and Australia still has rules in place to stop people taking that kind of money out of the country based on Chuck Berry taking that kind of money out of the country and he used to apparently put it in his guitar case literally which sounds like the detail that you would put in the biopic but actually (laughs) happened Uh, and on a a further um, police investigation in 1990 they specifically went looking for his guitar case because they'd heard rumors that he was stashing cash and they wanted to get him then on Mm. tax evasion again. So we're talking about large figures here. You know, we're discussing this. When you say paid cash in hand for a gig, you might be thinking, oh, right, you know, $3,000. No, he cheated the feds of $110,000 in income taxes uh, and basically admitted it. I looked into how much he earned over the course of his life. And by the time he passed away, he'd earned $50 million. So he'd been stashing enormous amounts of cash over the years. And that $110,000 that he eventually got busted for was evidently like the the absolute tip of the iceberg. Maybe it's not a surprise that like hoarding cash was his MO. Because ever since he turned successful as a rock musician, he never left St. Louis, did he? He just carried on building on the foundations of what he had, like buying essentially ever bigger and bigger houses. And was quite open about the fact that he'd kind of created a rock and roll persona to make money that the economics of the music industry was part of what had driven him in a particular direction. He was obviously an incredibly talented songwriter and musician, but if his natural leanings were more towards R&B, he specifically pushed them into rock and roll because he saw Mm. that teenagers wanted a particular type of music that wasn't being served to them at the time. He sort of created this persona of this kind of teenage rebel mm. when he was basically pushing 30. And all of his songs were kind of teen referency. you know, you're driving away from your parents' place and you've got the cool car and you've got the cheerleader girlfriend. It was all yeah. bound up in this. Roll over, it, Beethoven. Don't listen to what your parents are listening to. Stick this yeah, on. Yeah, check it out, young kids. <laughs> 
So in the intro, I mentioned that the tax evasion thing was his third stint in prison. So the first one actually happened before he became famous. That was when he was 18. He did a couple of years for armed robbery and stealing a car with some friends. But then afterwards, he basically worked lots of jobs, including he got a, a qualification in cosmetology and yeah. apparently worked as a beautician as a for a while. Yeah. Well, and at the same time, he was playing with his band and he had his first hit in 1955, which was Maybelline, which was like the classic kind of country rock song. Um, And it was all going really, really well for four years. Uh, And then it came to a sudden halt in 1959 when he was arrested for transporting women across state lines for immoral purposes. Mm -hmm. It was a law that was meant to stop pimps from transporting prostitutes. And the innuendo was essentially that is what he was doing. And his defense was... No. His defence was no, not really, but a bit, but no. He said he had taken a girl who was, I think, 14 years old to work as a coat check person in a club that Mm. was at a venue that he was playing at. But I think the court saw that as a pretty thin defence. Yeah, I mean, it was actually like pretty sad and horrible. He was playing in El Paso and he met this girl called Janice Escalante. She was from an Apache Indian family. She lived on a reservation and she basically was, was pretty sad she had an alcohol problem at the age of 14 she'd been a child prostitute I mean she still was a child prostitute and he basically promised her this job in his nightclub in St. Louis so she went on the road with him and they shared motel rooms crucially and then when they got to St. Louis she worked for him for a few days and then he basically tried to pack her off back to Texas and she then called the police Mm. And Berry was found guilty and he appealed the ruling on the grounds that the judge had behaved in a racist way, which he actually had, if you see the transcripts, he refers to the defendant and the victim as being this Negro and this Indian girl. The judge was clearly coming to this case with prejudice. And so he did get a second trial, but there was also a lot of evidence against him. So he was just found guilty in a less racist way. But did he get let off the hook at all? He was sentenced to three years, but he only served half, but I think that's pretty standard. Because the later one, so one of the raids where they were looking for that cash I was talking about, what they found were images of child abuse. But he did sort of get off with that. He settled out of court. Yeah, so that was actually the one case where he probably most richly deserved to be imprisoned and he was never um, taken to court over it. This this was, you mentioned earlier that he stayed in St. Louis and he basically established a load of businesses. In 1990, he was sued by women who claimed he had installed a secret video camera in the toilets of his restaurant. One under the toilet seat, I believe. Which is exactly where you would install a secret camera if you thought one of your employees was stealing from you, was (laughs) Barry's (laughs) defence. you Rebecca but whenever I steal anything in my vagina it's always best viewed from underneath uh, yeah and so when they raided his house they did find videotapes which he claimed I don't know where those came from mm. um, and some of them did show underage girls but I think that was look I think that was probably by the by that was just a side effect of planting a camera in your toilet what rather than his actual intention is during the 1980s to set up a hidden camera in a bathroom even if you're a very powerful rock musician and you've got tens of millions mm. of dollars and you own the restaurant setting up a camera in a bathroom I'm, I'm gonna guess he wasn't the most tech savvy of individuals by this point he was like 70 <laughs> surely involves complicity from your staff doesn't it and one of the things that the police found apparently was a kind of best of highlights reel it's not like oh, he used God. to sort of sit and watch the raw footage someone had put together like all the bottoms from that year sitting on the toilet and doing a wee Where's so a- like someone was employed as an editor on that project you know where's their <laughs> testimony why aren't they in prison that's an extraordinary thing imagine if that was you in the video and yet not only did chuck berry get away with it but it seems like everyone else involved in producing this basically kind of personalized porn for him also got away with it 
Yeah, because it, it resulted, I think, in an out-of-court settlement where he pretty much just paid the victims. Yeah, $830,000. Right. Which is a lot to pay when you didn't film their bottoms without consent. But not a lot when you've got $50 million in yeah, the bank. So exactly. Yeah. Still, Johnny B. Good's great, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I found really weird when looking into this? Chuck Berry only had one number one hit, and do you know what it was? I know. It's the one we've previously referenced in an episode of The Retrospectors. It was My Ding-A-Ling, Mary Whitehouse's yeah. favourite, which is yeah. crap, actually. Well, I tried to listen to My Ding-A-Ling to check if it stood the test of time, and I couldn't get, like, halfway through, I was like, actually, I don't want to listen to this anymore. And the stuff that made it into the charts earlier on in his career is so much better. Mm. But I think the reason that that stuff um, is is sort of so well known to us now is because it was picked up by British acts, including the Beatles, including the Rolling Stones, who really idolised Chuck Berry and saw him as the sort of apotheosis of rock and roll. And his early rock and roll songs were so iconic. That was actually the reason that he relied on backing bands later in his career, is that his perspective mm. was that any musician worth their salt should just be able to get up there and play his riffs oh, with him. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Like, I'm the standard. And weirdly, I mean, I look back at that era of rock and I, I, I like Chuck Berry, but I infinitely prefer and think Little Richard was more compelling and B.B. King was, was more soulful and Ray Charles was kind of just incredible in every way. I, like Chuck Berry, it, it, one of the things that people talk about is his swagger, but I even watched some of his old videos and I was like, yeah, I mean, he's cool, but he wasn't the coolest. Little Richard was the coolest. I know what you mean. But I think because he was so influential, you've heard other people do the same kind of thing. And so it seems less special now. But if you imagine, I mean, that's the point of it being in Back to the Future, isn't it? When Michael J. Fox picks up the guitar and blows everyone's minds. Yeah. If you'd never heard rock and roll before and you heard that, you would think, <laughs> what the frick is this, wouldn't you? It's just that because he invented it, you, you can't really, you know, it's like when you first hear Whitney Houston hitting all the notes in 1986. Now <laughs> yeah. you're just like, oh yeah, well that's how a diva yeah, sings a great. song, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Like people yeah. had not sung like that before, you know. That's true. Side note on the Back to the Future stuff: Marty McFly does the Chuck Berry duck walk dance, but apparently the story with that dance is that he did it because he was attempting to hide the wrinkles in his rayon suit by shaking them out <laughs> with that particular move, and that was kind of that was the origin of that thing. Imagine using your stage persona to do your ironing. Next time. Incidentally, that congregation does sound like the naughtiest book club in town. Because right? <laughs> Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.